On Tuesday, June 27th, residents of Erie County will cast ballots in the primary elections for Buffalo's Common Council and the county legislature. For the past several weeks and months, thousands of dollars have bankrolled these local campaigns from both individuals and larger political and economic interests. Investigative post Jeff Kelly has been tracking the candidacy of individuals vying for the city and county elected positions. This week, Kelly sat down with political analyst Ken Cruley to look deeper at the funds that have come into the pockets of each candidate and how that money may affect the race overall. For Investigative Post, this is Money in Politics. Welcome, Ken. It's been a little while. It's been a while, Jeff. Welcome. Uh, thank you for having me back. Yeah, what, you know, what Ken does is he wades through campaign finance filings to uncover who bankrolls our elected officials. And then on this podcast, we discuss why they do that. Uh, we have a bunch of interesting primaries coming next week, primarily in Buffalo's Common Council. There are five contested seats, two of which are open seats. And then there's a very interesting war going on over the 10th uh, District Erie County Legislature seat, and we'll get to that. But let's start with uh, the Buffalo Common Council, and let's start particularly in the Ellicott District, where there are four candidates vying for the seat being left vacant by Common Council President Darius Bridgen, who has opted not to seek re-election. Uh, there are four candidates there. Ken, what do you see? among those candidates. Let's start with uh, with Matt Deering. Well, he is working very hard from everything I hear and see. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of money to spend comparatively. Uh, he's raised about 14000 and actually almost half of that money came from his own pocket as a loan. Uh, so uh, he's in it in all sorts of ways. Uh, he formerly worked for uh, uh, the, the assemblyman, uh, Pat Burke, That's and right. uh, resigned that position. He also worked previously on the on the campaigns of Nate McMurray, who ran for Congress a couple times, former okay. uh, Grand Island right. town supervisor. Right. He uh, he got the Buffalo News endorsement on Which was Saturday. Yeah, that was a surprise yeah, to me. Yeah, I'm not sure what those things are worth anymore, <laughs> with all due respect to my friends at the Buffalo News. Sure. Uh, but, uh, but it's certainly a good thing to have uh, if you're uh, someone trying to create an identity. Uh, and I, I, I think he's got a, a shot at all of this, but uh, we're in the dark. We don't do polls on things like this that at least publicly get released. Well, that sort of endorsement, at, at the very least, uh, raises name recognition, at least among readers of the Buffalo News, uh, which is something that a first-time candidate like Deering otherwise spends a lot of money <coughs> on. Uh, one thing I noted in his expenditures uh, is that he was spending a fair amount of money on consultants. Uh, there was $4,000 to a local consultant group, and they were doing canvassing, stuff that you got to do, you know, door to door. They worked on his petition, mm -hmm. his nominating petition, but there's also $2,500 to uh, a consultant in Bethesda, Maryland. Yeah, well, those usually go for designing uh, pieces that they distribute, whether they're mailing them or whether they're dropping them. Uh, so that's probably what that money is spent for. But uh, comparatively speaking, with some of the other things we're talking about today, that's sort of a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to uh, to our sort of ghost candidate, uh, Eddie Egru. Who, no reports. I can't find a report. Uh, I, I don't know whether it's there and it's under a different name. Uh, 
Uh, but uh, I've, it's very difficult, as you know, to search the State Board of Elections website. The data changes from minute to minute sometimes. We, we could spend a whole podcast just <laughs> grousing about yeah. how terrible yeah, it's, uh, the, that It's pretty bad, is. but I, I, I've found nothing for him as, a, as reporting a financial. Nobody, nobody I know who follows this stuff has found any reports from Eddie Egru. Perhaps he is content just to have made the ballot for two years in a row. <laughs> could uh, be. You know, he's a, he's a, could be, for what he, it's he's worth. He's a perpetual candidate, sounds uh, pejorative. Yep. He is a frequent flyer. Yeah, he but he, is. he doesn't usually make the ballot. He did last year against Brian Higgins for Congress, and he is on the ballot this year. Yep. But who knows if he yeah, has any money or I if he's spending noticed, it. Yeah. Uh, let's move <clears> on <throat> to uh, Cedric Holloway. What, what do you see there? Well, uh, he hasn't raised a, a, a ton of money either, a little less than Deering. Um, from what I uh, understand, he's, he plays very well in the public, uh, a lot of support in the community. Uh, has been involved in all sorts of good projects over the years. Uh, that, in a, uh, in a race where there's not going to be a whole lot of votes cast, could be uh, very helpful. Uh, but how far he goes, he's uh, not in a, in a position where he can spend a lot of money on mailings or advertising or anything. So and it's no, going to be word of mouth. And, in fact, his only expenditure, at least declared uh, to the Board of Elections, is $500 for rent. Yeah. Uh, so, Holloway, so Holloway is a... Uh, retired Buffalo police officer. He's director of the Johnny B. Wiley uh, Sports Pavilion. Um, and as you say, he's sort of well-known in the community, uh, well-known among political figures mm -hmm. and sort of establishment figures. And maybe he's counting on that, that he has name recognition, at least within uh, within the community he seeks to represent. Right. I, I think, uh, from what I recall, uh, you, uh, Jeremy Zellner, the Democratic chair, uh, earlier in the campaign made some good comments about uh, Holloway uh, and the party hasn't endorsed in that seat. Yeah. So I don't know uh, how that plays out. Yeah, the party hasn't endorsed and yet there is a powerhouse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, there is. In that the race. And that candidate is, number four. That is Leah Halton Pope, uh, who continues to work for uh, the very powerful uh, assemblywoman, Crystal People Stokes. Uh, she seems to be the the establishment's anointed candidate here, and it shows in her fundraising. Yep. Talk about what you see there. Yeah, well, the developers throwing money in, other candidates and council members uh, throwing money in. Uh, so she's certainly the, the favorite for those folks. Uh, how that translates into votes, I, I, I don't know. Uh, she's raised so far, and they're, they're at, at the point the last filing was occurring, there were still two weeks to go, she raised $65,000, which is an extraordinary amount for a first-time council candidate. And, but, of course, a substantial portion of that money, 35 or 40 percent, has come from Washington or Albany, from friends she has politically there. Uh, and the money is money, but, uh, but it doesn't speak to local support as much as, as uh, some other candidates. So uh, she's got uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of help with Crystal People Stokes uh, uh, with her in a corner. Uh, Mayor uh, Brown is supporting her. Uh, so I would think that uh, she's a very strong contender uh, for all of those reasons, uh, even though there's a couple of quality candidates also in this race. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. I, I, uh, <laughs> I looked at the, the geographic breakdown of her donors, and what I saw was <coughs> that of that sixty-five, sixty-six thousand dollars $66,000, 39000 was outside of the city of Buffalo. And as you point out, 
24,000 of that is outside of Western New York, much of it from Albany and New York City, and nearly about 2,000 from out of state, which is not that much. Mm -hmm. um, big donors include Delaware North. Lobbyists kicked in more than $7,000. Electeds and their staffers, more than 10,000. Developers, more than 7,000. And these are people, because of her career uh, as sort of a senior advisor to a very powerful assemblywoman, uh, these are people she knows, right, and has done right. business with. Right, yeah. So, uh, but it also it, it sort of, uh, it suggests who the the great and the good would like to see occupy this seat. And where the influence might be if, if she gets elected. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, so that's, those are our four candidates in Ellicott District. Mm -hmm. uh, let's move on to the next open seat, which is also a, a, a race to watch. Uh, Zanetta Everhart, uh, who has the Democratic Party endorsement, versus India Walton, a well-known name. She uh, won a Democratic primary against Mayor Byron Brown two years ago, shocking the local political establishment, and then went on to lose uh, an incredibly well-financed and sometimes vicious uh, writing campaign run by the mayor in November. Right. And the mayor carried Maston uh, both in the primary and in the general election against her. But she performed pretty well. She did. Considering she did. it's his home home district. Uh, so let's look at those. Let's look. Zanetta Everhart has also been a powerhouse uh, fundraising. Uh, what do you see there? Well, uh, similar to uh, to uh, Ms. Halton Pope, um, uh, uh, Everhart has raised substantial money from out of town, not to the percentages that uh, uh, Halton Pope did, uh, more in the, what, 15, 20 percent range uh, coming from Albany and uh, other places like that, uh, also using connections. Um, I, I think that you can see uh, some traces of Tim Kennedy fing uh, fundraising in all of this because she works for Tim Kennedy, and we know from previous discussions here that Tim Kennedy is the king of fundraising locally, politically. I also I noticed with uh, Everhart, like Leah Halton Pope, she too, uh, and perhaps this is because of the influence of Kennedy uh, and because she works for the senator, she also got a fair amount of money from outside the city and outside the region. Uh, I saw something like $37,000 uh, of that of her money comes from Buffalo addresses, but yeah. $8,300 from outside Western New York. And, and totaled, and she's raised 72000 already. Which is an astonishing uh, And we're not done yet, so right. she'll probably go over $80,000 in money raised. Right. And, you, and again, we see $12,000 or more from developers. Delaware North, uh, $3,000 uh, combined. Kind of, kind of interesting, uh, considering the district and the candidates, uh, that they're, the money is flowing that way. That's right. Uh, yeah. But it uh, looks to me like they're uh, betting on who they think might be winners right. in the whole thing. But uh, in this race, if you still have uh, India Walton, who has proven, at least on a citywide basis, she knows how to win a primary. And certainly, in an ordinary year, the fundraising she's done would be impressive. Yeah. It'd be more than enough. It would. It would. And compared to the other council races we're looking at, uh, it would fit right in with all of that. Sure. It's just that it's getting dwarfed uh, uh, to the tune of uh, almost two, two or three times as much by, uh, by Everhart. Who is spending an enormous amount of money on mailings, which is not a bad strategy, would you say? Yeah, beats walking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it beats walking. But 
uh, how influential that is. I, I think in in uh, these races, in, in this race, it's going to look like uh, how the endorsements of the electeds, uh, how the unofficial endorsements of the developers and so forth, plays against uh, a more people-oriented campaign uh, of uh, of Walton, uh, at least from the way she's projected herself over the time she's been in a, a candidate for things. Right, right, which ser- obviously served her well two years ago in the primary. Right. She's raised uh, a little over $31,000 this year for yes. this race. Mm-hmm. That's right. Uh, as in previous years, there's a fair chunk of that, which is unitemized, which suggests that about $6,500, those are presumably donations of $100 or less. Yeah, or out-of-town donations that, for some reason, they don't want to identify. The, uh, uh, the, the, she went through the same thing when she ran for mayor uh, by fire. Uh, her campaign reports, both of that race and this one, uh, the unidentified money is far and far greater than any other candidate I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, her uh, her biggest donors seem to be carryovers from her mayoral campaign, folks like uh, attorney Sam McGavern, uh, Amy Vossen-Buchlick. Those are like the $1,000 donors. But there aren't as many of those big donors no. as a percentage of her fundraising compared to, say, her opponent, Zanetta Everhart, or Leah Halton Pope, right? Both of whom have huge donors, right? Lots of big donations, yeah. and yeah. again, there are no corporate donors, no developers. That's sort of one of her the yeah. trademarks of her campaigns, um, and comparatively little from out of town uh, compared to her opponent, but also compared to her mayoral campaign. That's mm-hmm. uh, yeah. It's, there was a lot in the mayoral campaign. Yeah, big and not just small money, but. But big, big money. Big checks. Yeah, yeah. And her expenses uh, seem to be mostly, she spent like $2,300 on lawn signs, uh, more more than that on literature, some money on T-shirts, kind of the usual campaign stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. It's interesting, India Walton's campaign finance filings this year for this race are much more sort of traditional and, dare I say, boring yeah. than they were yeah. uh, two years ago. Yeah, well, last time uh, she was on a mission of sorts, uh, right. which, of course, attracted a lot of the out, out-of-town money. Yeah, uh, This is a much more localized campaign, not that she doesn't have some support from outside, but uh, it's much more down to the streets uh, in, in the Maston District. The Maston District in the mayoral primary last time only had 3,300 votes. Uh, so... Uh, the, uh, the the uh, the amount of money being spent here on a per vote basis, uh, we're talking a hundred thousand dollars or more between the two campaigns theoretically that could be spent, uh, and uh, for three thousand votes total, maybe uh, it's a, a lot of money per vote. It's a lot of money, but the stakes are relatively high. We're about to get to the incumbents who are facing challengers, but these two open seats, uh, they're going to t- who wins them is going to determine what the majority, if there is one, on the Common Council looks like, if there's a functioning majority, who the next council president is. These two seats will probably determine that. Of course, if incumbents lose in the other three seats, everything sort of gets Which, uh, which you know, may help explain security. where the donations are coming from. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the, it's, in that regard, these are very important primaries mm-hmm. for the city of Buffalo because they are really going to affect the complexion of the uh, of the common council going forward, and also uh, for these seats, and there's possibility in the other ones that we're going to talk about. Uh, for the first time in a long time, there'll be women on the common council, probably. 
for the first time in a very long time. That's that is inevitable, in fact. Uh, so let's move on to the three incumbents who are facing uh, challengers. Mm -hmm. the, those are happening in the Lovejoy University and North District. Let's start in Lovejoy, where incumbent Brian Bowman is facing uh, uh, Mohammed Uddin, a first-time candidate. Uh, what do you see from those two? Well, uh, Bowman is completing his first term. Uh, I'm uh, not too familiar with what he's done on the council, frankly. Uh, uh, I, the thing that interests me here in this race is the amount of money that uh, Udeen has raised, uh, $25,000 for a challenger, uh, and uh, not a name that I'm familiar with that's been involved in local politics before. So that's an impressive amount of money, uh, and it's, it's going to make them somewhat competitive. Uh, uh, this race, and actually all of them in the council, it's going to come down to turnout uh, and who gets their folks out. And uh, maybe uh, Eudine's money is uh, significant for the support he has on the streets. I really don't know. But Lovejoy is not traditionally a high turnout district. <laughs> right. It doesn't yeah. take a lot of votes necessarily to win a primary. Though. Yeah. Lovejoy in uh, 2021, mayoral primary, had 1,400 votes. Right. So you're right. Yeah. So, so it doesn't take a lot of votes. Udine's money was a little, the, the filing was a little squirrely in the sources of his money. It seems mostly to come from him, but then there's uh, some, uh, some money being loaned by a company, which also donated. It's a little strange. Yeah. Then you get into what the limits are, and because they loans convert to donations if uh, if they're not paid off by election day. Right. So at, at which point they would probably exceed uh, well, limits. And there might be a little problem with that. But I, I, I'm sure the crack state board of election police. Yeah, will be right I, on they'll that. be on it the next day. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure. No doubt about it. All right. How about how about university district? We have Rashid Wyatt, uh, who is facing Catherine Franco for uh, a second time. She challenged him four years ago as well. She got on the ballot, but uh, she didn't. He, he beat her fairly handily. Uh, what, do, what do their finances look like? Well, uh, you have uh, Franco raising uh, almost $18,000, which is a pretty good number again for a, a non-incumbent. Uh, Rashid uh, Wyatt started off with 16000 in the bank in January, and he's raised another uh, 9000 or so. So Dollar-wise, they're not much different in, in uh, the amount of money that they've got available. <clears throat> Wyatt has a record to uh, a, either explain, uh, produce, or, or defend. Uh, I follow the city of Buffalo uh, finances, the, the city budget, as you do, uh, and he's been an active participant on, in that, and I think he's spoken independently in many cases. Uh, so how that plays in the public, I, I don't know. Uh, but dollar-wise in the campaigns, they're, uh, they're, they're going to be competitive here. This will be a, a race to look at. Yeah. Finally, uh, in, for the Common Council, we have Joe Golombek, <laughs> now the longest-tenured uh, Buffalo Common Council member, is facing a challenge from Eve Shippens, uh, who is a Buffalo school teacher. She has the endorsement of the Buffalo Teachers Federation, among other endorsements by groups that support women candidates and progressive candidates for office. Uh, what do you see in their their money raising and spending? Well, uh, Golombek started in January with fifty five thousand dollars in the bank, that's uh, a so good that's start. certainly a, a healthy way to start the year. Uh, and then he he's raised an additional uh, twenty seven or twenty eight thousand dollars, 
Uh, so all of that, that's 80-some thousand dollars. Uh, she's raised uh, uh, about $21,000, which is also a good number for a non-incumbent uh, council candidate. Uh, but uh, Golombek, substantially more, he's spent quite a bit uh, recently. Uh, he's spent in the, uh, in the campaign uh, $40,000, which is a lot for a council candidate to spend. Uh, that may be dwarfed by the, a couple of those other races we discussed earlier, but, but uh, uh, that I assume that he's uh, not taking any chances. And he's, he's spending, spent a lot of money yeah. on signs, you know, which for a guy who's been uh, in the council as long as he has, it's not as if people need to, need to know his name. They, yeah. they know it, although perhaps he's been in so long that people need to be reminded that he's there. Yeah. 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 I guess the question there because of that is, uh, is there shelf life uh, for a councilman? Right. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll see. Uh, but he's certainly not taking any chances. Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the 10th <coughs> legislative district, the Erie County legislature race, uh, which has become a sort of, uh, <coughs> which is a battle between the conservative and Republican parties. Uh, g- g- give me the background. What's going on here? Well, the background is that uh, the seat was held for uh, probably about 10 years or so by uh, Joe Larigo, uh, the registered conservative, the son of county chairman, uh, conservative chairman Ralph Larigo. Uh, uh, Joe Larigo was elected to the state Supreme Court in, uh, in November, uh, so he left the, uh, that seat. And uh, uh, the, uh, whether he, uh, of course, he can't be involved in politics now, uh, and, uh, and uh, or his father uh, have decided that it would be good to keep the seat in the family, and so they're uh, pushing for that seat, uh, Lindsay Braytek Larigo, who's uh, Joe Larigo's wife. So what does it look like in terms of spending on this race? This is going to be crazy. Uh, I, if you look at the official reports uh, from the, the, the most lace, uh, recent stuff, you, you see... Uh, about $30,000 or so spent uh, between the two of them, a little less than that maybe, uh, or excuse me, about $40,000. Um, I think well, with what's going on with the, the uh, mailings uh, that evidently the conservative party is paying for but hasn't reported, uh, that, uh, and then uh, uh, Maljewski is uh, quoted in the Buffalo News as saying he's going to spend about 75000 I think we're looking at somewhere in the range of $150,000 to $200,000 for primaries for a county legislative seat that is not going to affect the control of the county legislature. Importantly, uh, when we look at the filings, Lindsay Lurigo on her own has not raised nor spent very much money no. at all. It's all going to be done by the party. Right, by the conservative party. By the party. conservative party. Uh, and and uh, probably with some family money. Uh, the Braytech family, uh, uh, her maiden name, uh, has contributed a substantial amount of money. Ralph Larigo surprisingly hasn't contributed a dime yet, but uh, now that we've passed the last filing before the primary, uh, he could do that. We might see them if the contributions come in more than $1,000, so they have to report that. Uh, but I think they're playing it a little bit cute here. Uh, part of it also is that uh, uh, Larigo is using as her consultant Big Dog Strategies, who gave America George Santos. Uh, and so I think maybe they're a little concerned about publicizing the fact that George Santos' as consultant is uh, going to be paid tens of thousands of dollars for their work. <clears throat> but it's an absolutely absurd amount of money uh, 
and it's uh, mostly hidden. Actually, uh, Malchewski's already reported around 50, so if he's planning to raise 75, there isn't much more to go there. But Larigo has raised uh, less than 20, and all of a sudden it's just going to bloom into tons of more money, either directly or indirectly. Uh, and it's not the way uh, things ought to run if the public is going to be informed about things, but that's the way it's being run. Yeah, you know, it's interesting to me, mm -hmm. you were pointing out before we started recording that that this could be for naught. The two of them could both make the ballot, end up facing each other in November uh, with the conservative party's bank account, which is healthy for a, a minor party, but depleted on this race. The Republican Party locally is kind of relatively broke itself. If they spend a lot of money on Melshevsky, well, they might not have a lot left yeah. in the tank for yeah. November. Yeah, uh, it's, but it, This is as much a race between Michael Cracker and Ralph Larigo as it is between Lindsey Larigo and Joe Mel, uh, Jim Melshevsky. Well, well, that's what it is, right? And you could see that last week, Ralph Larigo went to court to try to expunge from the conservative party roles uh, a bunch of new registrants who he believes, and is, he's probably right, that they are party raiders, Republicans who have re-registered as conservatives in order to vote in the conservative party primary. Yeah. Uh, and he, he went to court on Friday uh, with a list of several dozen of these candidates yeah. saying they are insufficiently faithful, they are, uh, they are party raiders, and I want them removed for my party. Yeah. From what I understand, it's not going to succeed. It may have been filed too late. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, yeah, it is a legitimate thing. Uh, part of what's driving it is a council race in the uh, town of Tonawanda, where the Republican town chair resigned as town chair, reaffiliated as a conservative, and got 40 people to sign up as conservatives with them so that he could uh, potentially win a conservative party primary for councilman in Tonawanda. But, of course, they can vote for other things, too, uh, 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 but that's that's the main reason why those people signed up. Uh, it's uh, the way the state law has been changed recently, which is allowing this, uh, and it's kind of crazy. Uh, but for the moment, those are the rules. Those are the rules. Well, this is uh, Ken. I think we we need to talk again in a couple of weeks after this uh, primary is over, and we can see not just those twenty-four hour notices, the last-minute uh, money coming in but how, in the end, uh, people have spent this money, if they've spent it all. Uh, if they have, it will have been, I think, a pretty expensive primary season. Incredibly expensive. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, Ken. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, Ken Cruley, uh, you can read his stuff at politicsandstuff.com. Check in with him every Tuesday for, uh, for his take on local politics, local political finances and whatever else seems to cross your mind, right? A football game every now and then. Thanks very much. I'm Jeff Kelly, government and politics reporter for Investigative Post, and this has been Money in Politics.